And we're back for another very, very fun, I hope, uh, very exciting, certainly long-awaited in some corners of the internet, uh, episode of Certified Forgotten, the podcast where we talk about the movies that have been forgotten, maybe some of them should stay forgotten, maybe this one should stay forgotten, we'll get into it. I am Matthew Monagle, I'm one half of your hosts, with me as always is my buddy Matt Donato, say hello Matt Donato. Demon Wind. No, no, we're not there yet. We're not oh, there sorry. yet. We have to um, do a normal buildup. Hi, build up. hi so, I'm Matt Donato, and I like Demon Wind. Uh, we also have, like, we couldn't just bring anybody on to talk about Demon Wind. That's not just something you do. You don't just invite a person on to talk about Demon Wind. So Matt handpicked someone especially for this, and now he's going to introduce our poor, unfortunate soul. Yes, not only did I handpick this poor, unfortunate soul, but I made this poor, unfortunate soul watch Demon Wind last night. So... We're coming fresh off the uh, cuff of a Demon Wind watch here. And with us on this episode, we have Miss Alicia Grouso, the editor-in-chief, I guess managing editor, of Adam Insider. Hello. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, my, my Demon Wind cherry was popped last night, and that is a really apt phrase to describe it, I feel like. And I still have a job. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, not. it... If you got fired, you brought that on yourself. I can't feel too bad about you there, bud. But uh, before we talk about Demon Wind, which is technically a film, um, just a reminder what the format for this podcast is. The idea behind Certified Forgotten is that there are some films that just did not get as much of a buzz when they came out, and like it or not, Rotten Tomatoes is plays an important role in kind of the canon building and gatekeeping of what movies, and particularly what horror films, um, stay part of the cultural conversation. So we're in the business of finding ones that have five or fewer reviews, stuff that uh, did not maybe leave a mark when it came out. And sometimes we're going to open it up. We won't do it all the time, but sometimes we'll open it up uh, to films that predate the Rotten Tomatoes as a platform and haven't necessarily gotten part of the, uh, you know, rediscovered and gotten a lot of contemporary reviews. Demon Wind certainly qualifies for that. It's a movie that came out in 1990. Not something that was around when Rotten Tomatoes was around, but um, it's one that more people are going to go back and publish reviews about, I think. Um, But I want to start kind of with talking to Alicia, our guest, about her history with horror films. So let's start kind of at the very beginning. I know that you're not specifically, Alicia, a a horror film person, but I know that's a big part of what you watch and what you talk about and what you review and have other people review too. So how did that begin? What were like the first horror films for you that you stumbled across that were like, oh, this is a genre that I actually like? Yeah, you're right. Um, I have traditionally in my career in uh, entertainment journalism and film criticism, I haven't really been known for horror. You're right. Uh, more for kind of geek culture, uh, comic book, superhero movies, sci-fi, that kind of stuff. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that I like it, but also my first and previous outlet would lean more heavily into that. Um, but horror actually was a really big part of my life. I remember being way too young and I would watch, um, USA used to have this, USA Network used to have the show called Saturday Nightmares that was like a slate of just truly terrible, like campy, like direct to, you know, VHS horror movies. And uh, I watched it with my dad every Saturday night and like clockwork, I would have nightmares for the next two nights and then the whole week my mom would be like you're not allowed to watch this you get scared you're too young and then the whole week would be me trying to convince my mom to let me watch it again and then finally her and my dad relenting like on saturday afternoon and so the cycle would start all over again um but yeah like i grew up i loved getting horror movies at you know the nearest video store when those still existed like child's i think i watched child's play Child's Play 3 when I was like in third grade. Um, same for movies like Dr. Giggles. I remember watching like Hellraiser. I grew up with the original um, miniseries of the two-parter for It. And I read Stephen King and everything, R.L. Stein, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Anything scary, I basically read it, watched it, and grew up with it. So I have a pretty solid background in horror, but just got away from it in the last few years. Yeah, I feel like it's our job to sort of bring you back into it then. So I'm, I'm glad we can offer this service. Uh, well, 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 we'll get to that with Demon Wind. Demon is Wind. It a service? Is it a service? I sort of feel like all we can expect from Matt is every five minutes he'll just pop up and go, Demon Wind. That'll be his or contribution can, to this episode. Windy and go like, Demon Wind. 
it, that literally never happened. Never happened. We'll get to that because <laughs> Matt has the same problem. All right, fine. So um, kind of along those lines, too, you were talking about some of the films that um, you did discover that fall within the horror genre. I'm kind of curious, too, about um, these days, like where you discover. Because you do travel, I know, for film festivals. You cover a mm-hmm. lot of different type of stuff. But like, what's your pipeline? Like, is it just Matt basically it's, it's D- Matt DMing basically. you until you, until you give up and you're like, fine, I'll watch the fucking movie? It's basically him just sending me like just trailers or just like all caps messages from some obscure horror movie that's coming out or, uh, but no, he actually does a column for me, um, for Adam tickets for Adam insider. That's Donato's dungeon. And it's a roundup of horror news every single week. And so I actually learn about a lot of upcoming, uh, things being filmed. Like there was the one we just talked about the too late, too late. with Fred yeah. Armisen that my girlfriend is uh, scripty script supervisor on it. And she was like, Oh, I'm doing this thing. And I was like, wait, what is the name of that? And she's like, too late. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I just read about that yesterday. Thanks to Matt. So yeah. And my trailers get pretty comprehensive. Like, did you know there is no less than three different clown based movies coming out this summer? Yeah. You do that a lot. Clown hotel, clown doll, clown, what was the other clown one? I forget. But yeah, it's crazy how much fucking shitty horror there is. So yeah, before you cover all of it, which means that I, <laughs> by nature, I, by nature, you have to. Edit I vicariously all of it. have to edit all of it. Well, let's 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 talk about uh, BD before Donato. Then, uh, like, where were where would you go to discover <laughs> stuff? Like, what kind of what what was your pipeline for the types of movies that are now like, oh, you know, this is the early or the two early two thousands classics and stuff. Like, where were you hearing about stuff before you had writers that were writing about it? Oh, man. Uh, Definitely. I had I mean, I still had kind of like a finger on the pulse of it, but it was honestly mostly the bigger the big releases. Um, So that's kind of where I really fell off was that I was still going to the movies for like the wide releases and uh, the the, well, horror isn't really ever big budget, but you know what I mean? But like the smaller stuff, the indie stuff, the festival stuff. I really have kind of a blank spot where I didn't watch much of that. Also because then when I went to grad school, I just didn't have, like my life was nothing but studying and literature and all the time. So movies for a span of a few years kind of, I wouldn't say fell off my radar, but I really only saw like the biggest things that were released in in theaters uh, through those years. Um, Donata, are you okay? You haven't yelled Demon Wind in like a, a minute or two. I did, well, I got yelled at last time, so I'm trying not to invade. The I'm just checking. I got that all the time. That never stops you. I'm just making sure you didn't like leave or something, and I had to vamp for you. Demon um, wind. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Well, as somebody that kind of bridges the gap, this is this is a question that um, I don't think you were prepped for, but I'm curious. Somebody that bridges the gap cool. between kind of um, popular cinema and um, horror cinema, both independent and mainstream in nature. Like, what is your ten cents on the idea of elevated horror? Like, what do you think about? <sighs> The midsomers of the world no, and these movies that are bridging. We don't say I know you don't. I know you don't like don't that word. We don't say that phrase around here, Matt. I was going to say I was going to correct you. Technically, it's a phrase, not it's, a word. I don't. I, so I don't. But there isn't really a better word to talk about. Sort of this this mid budget. Um, it's horror. Art I mean, house. It say, is. You it could is. just say horror. But we as humans naturally like to categorize stuff. I'm trying I, to naturally categorize this. I can understand why it's done, uh, but I think it does a disservice to the horror genre as a whole. Uh, when you start separating, I mean, it's all horror, but there's good horror just like there's bad horror. Um, and so it, you know, horror that has layers to it, that has uh, complex characters, that has a lot of layers and sub-themes, it doesn't mean it's not horror. It just means it's good horror. And I also think that uh, a little bit of... Um, I could be wrong here, and I might get blasted for this, but I feel like the the rise of superhero movies and comic book movies becoming mainstream and then becoming so accepted into kind of our pop culture uh, lexicon and then them going out and kind of starting to get elevated with the text and thing. You, know, you have Logan, you have uh, other movies too, where suddenly it's they're not just camp and bad acting and bad... CGI. They're actually things we take seriously and we discuss as an uh, actual medium. I feel like that maybe helped horror in a way realize like, oh, you know, we can start doing that with horror too. Not that that didn't exist before, but now that the Matt's shaking his head. Oh, no. I'm, but 
but now it's, uh, you actually have an audience, a general audience that is primed to take these genres that previously were seen as something not to take seriously and understand that you can actually, uh, I was going to use the word elevate, but you can actually, um, you can take them seriously. They can have lots of layers and lots of depth and lots of meaning. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but that was just me. Um, well, let me let me jump in really quickly because yeah. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, there is <laughs> that that absolutely means, but I'm yeah, about oh yeah, yeah. To. there's a, there's a but coming. No, my bigger issue here is number one. Okay, elevated horror itself doesn't piss me off in the sense that you're trying to classify something because at least horror is still in the term. What pisses me off is a director then taking that term elevated horror and they're the ones turning it into like oh i'm not making a horror movie i'm making an elevated horror movie and i think more of the onus is on the people making films and trying to disassociate with horror itself than it is actual horror fans just trying to classify something as i get it when people think of horror they think of slashers they think of gross shit they think of scream they think of freddy that's what they think of when they think of horror so now they're given something different like an it follows or something of that nature that starts this new subgenre because horror is always evolving. Horror never stays the same. It evolves with the times, and we are not now in this like art house rebellion portion of horror. But it's still horror. So fans can recognize that. Reviewers can recognize that. But it's when you get the people that don't recognize that and try to take the horror away from it because they're embarrassed by horror. That's what pisses me off. When you have a filmmaker that comes out and goes like, well, I didn't really make a horror movie. And fuck yourself. Yes, you did. You made a horror movie. And don't try to disassociate yourself because you think you're better than horror. Well, but here's the thing, though. Is it that they think they're better than horror? Or is it that they, they realize, because you said fans know this, horror fans know it. General audiences don't. So... That is also very much a very marketing-friendly, general audience-friendly uh, line that says, "Oh, if you don't really like dumb, sli- if they don't, if you don't like a Donato movie, one of his Midnighters, then you might like this because this has complex characters or depth or whatever." So, but that's existed in horror. I mean, like that's been around. I, I, I yes, get that. Yes, I get that you argument. But as that a horror is. Fan, you get that. I get that. Your average Joe Schmo sitting in, you know. Kentucky with his three kids that doesn't really ever watch horror movies, he doesn't know that. So, that's... how did we get on the topic of elevated horror on the Demon Wind episode? Like, how did how did that happen? Because I felt like before we revel in some really really stupid shit, we needed to have at least like a pretty smart. Con- we have a smart guest. We should have a smart conversation and then get to the part where Thanks. we talk about what Demon Wind is. So I wanted to like get a little bit of that on the table first. I appreciate that you appreciate me as opposed to Donato just yelling Demon Wind in the background. Demon Wind? <laughs> so normally this is the part of the podcast where I would talk about the plot of the movie, but I ain't, I'm not doing that. Donato, it's all you. <laughs> How does one describe Demon Wind? I, that is the best way to lead into my... I guess synopsis of what Shall the I fuck compare happens? thee to a summer's day, Demon Wind? <laughs> well, okay, we won't go there, but let's do this in the simplest terms possible. Uh, there's a character named Corey. He's going to visit the quote unquote broken down old shack um, of his family past. And the opening scene is, I guess, what his grandparents dabbled in black magic or something. There's oatmeal out of someone's mouth and a quote unquote Demon Wind. Then it just cuts back to Corey. So this is present day. He's driving on these hilly countryside places. He, and he encounters the crazy old gas station owner. And basically, he just wants to figure out what happened to his family. And, and I mean, that's his prime motivation. And he drags along numerous friends, some who show up an hour into the movie that you don't even know. Uh, there are some eggs broken open with worms in them. There's like deadite zombies. There's basically an evil dead riff somewhere in there then there's i don't know there's the big titty zombie and i don't know it's demon wind man that was the worst that's pretty bad huh? i don't know what it, how do you describe any like, there's what's no the point who's the guy what is the thing like give some like at least they don't really have a plot but convince trick our audience into thinking that it does Fine. Do you want to redo it and actually try to like do a real plot? Synopsis? No, no. I'm not recording or unrecording a single word of this. Just tell me who the major players are and why. The, I don't know. You don't know their names. Their names don't matter. No, sure. There's okay. Corey and Elaine. And yeah, there's Corey and, and Elaine. Guy and Harcourt. 
Right, okay. So there's Corey and Elaine, who are the boyfriend-girlfriend. Corey is the main character who's going to figure out why his, he's been summoned to the cabin of his ancestors. That, that is it. You have friends like Del. You have friends like Chuck, the magician karate guy. Del, who is a walking oh, consent he, me to nightmare. Yep. And this is the 90s, you know. Played different times. by Skinamax softcore star Bobby Johnston. Numerous characters, or sorry, numerous actors from Demon Wind went on to do softcore porn. So That's about the level they could aspire to, so let's be honest. At least we know something came with their careers. That's true. Oh, well, there is uh, Stephen Quadros, who plays Chuck, the karate magician, who is now an MMA commentator. That's but, a, and then uh, one, one woman went on to be a director. We saw that. Oh, yeah, and one's like stunts. Sure. or No, one guy went out to be director. One woman does stunts. That's about it. I don't know. They, yeah, I, um, I don't know how you want me to describe that these people go to this cabin we, to uncover some kind of mystery. And there are plot, like we can get into the plot uh, devices, I guess we can call them, and get into more detail. But there really is no other thing besides the fact that there is a quote unquote demon win that really isn't even used in the film. I you have didn't, to you, point the out. religion thing. You didn't even talk about the fact that there's a priest who has like an alternate form of well, Christianity. We can get into that in more depth. I was giving the overall synopsis, Mr. Monagle. Fine. I Alicia. have to interject at this point that there are so many random, there are so many characters for just a short horror movie. Like there is an egregious amount of his friends that show up. And I think there's eight total in the beginning, right? Counting those. Yeah. yeah. And Matt was sitting on the couch talking like it's like oh yeah well that's Stacy I was like oh Dell I'm like how do you know their names like he's talking about them like they're good friends well, of because his. I've watched this movie upwards of eight times by but this the point. way you talked about them you're like you're like oh Terry oh Dale. like I'm like okay you're talking about, oh okay I see you're talking to the TV like they're your friends you know all their names okay that's number one I'd been drinking sad. number two I've seen this movie and unholy amount of times that no one should see you weren't drinking that much let's be honest and you were still talking at the tv like they were your buddies i know because they are they're all my (laughs) friends the demon wind is my friend normally we would say oh you know let how did our guest get to find this movie but i think the more pressing question is when did you come across demon wind donato so i found it when mr jacob hall on slash film basically pointed me in the direction of demon wind as it hit shutter and I'd seen Sam Zimmerman at Shudder tweeting about it. And I'm like, what the hell is this movie? And then Jacob Hall was basically like, Matt, you have to watch this movie. And I think you should write about it, too, because your reaction is going to be pretty goddamn epic. And I said, OK, sure. That sounds fun. And I watched Demon Win by myself in my apartment and cranked out like 2000 words of just the most insane shit I've ever written in my life. But basically, I started the Church of Demon Wind at that point. Yeah, and I you had been tweeting about it for literally months. And this is the thing. I would he forbade me from watching it because he talked about it so damn much that I was like, okay. I was like, guess what I'm gonna watch? And I like, text him, he's like, well, I was like, Demon, he's like, No, you're not allowed. I'm like, What? Why? You've been talking about this for ages. Like, why am I not allowed to watch it? He's like, Because you have to watch it with people. Yeah. And with drinks. I stand by the fact and that he basically Demon like, is a party movie. A basic guy was not allowed to watch it until I could watch it with him. So There was even <laughs> one time where one of my friends started watching it um, by himself. And I was like, how far in are you? I'm going to queue up Shudder to exactly where you are so we can experience this together. And he had taken an edible. And it was quite the experience for him. Well, that's when I went to watch it was when it was on the last drive-in. And then you were like, no, you're not. And everybody's tweeting about it. And they were all like, oh, my God, Demon Wind. I'm like, I wouldn't. Matt's like, this is so great. I'm like, I wouldn't know because you told me I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah. Can I just say that I made Demon Wind cool before Joe Bob Briggs uh, and the last drive-in? Yes, I, yes. I just want to say that. Yes. You and that's also. Yes. Yes. You're a hipster. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% a hipster. Yeah. Brooklyn hipster. <laughs> also, so, that was the only time I've ever tweeted about demon wind and actually gained followers and not lost them (laughs) that's a pretty good spot to be in talk to tell me about the uh joe bob briggs thing because you had been you hadn't you know you you did in my recollection beat it of course but you only watched it like a couple of weeks before because it came on shutter so wait the joe bob when it played on the last drive-in yeah I thought it was that, only I thought it was only like a month before you got around. To what? It. Absolutely not, sir. No, okay. this was I watched it. What? I think it I've hit offended Shutter. him. I I am offended because Are I tweet serious? about this shit way too much. Yeah, he really does. No, but um, no. The, I think I wrote my article at least a year in advance uh, when it hit the last drive-in because it only played the last drive-in a few weeks ago at this point on on this date of June twenty second, whenever this episode airs. But um, so yeah, it only played a few weeks ago at this point. And I think my article backdates at least a year. So 
I've been thumping Let's Demon Let's find out, because you, of course, are like the very first article, and pretty much the only... Yeah, yours is June 1st, 2018. Yeah, June right. 1st. Two, yeah, so almost a year exactly. Okay, fine. Let me rephrase that. Having discovered Demon Wind a year before it showed up on Joe Bob Briggs' show, like it isn't very often that you fall in love with a movie and then get such an immediate and overwhelming amount of validation for it. So what was it like to see everybody jumping on this film that you've been trying to get them to watch for a while? It was a very fun communal experience because I will admit that I'm not one for like live tweet alongs. I'm, I'm not a tweet as you watch kind of person. I don't participate in those movie parties usually. I, I actually haven't even watched many of the Joe Bob's Briggs on shutters either. So when immediately I got back from the gym and timing worked out perfectly where I looked at my phone and at least five or six people had immediately started texting and tweeting at me going like, Matt, Demon was about to hit the last drive-in. It, like, are all your dreams coming true? So I had like work to do that night. I had to write an article, I think for Alicia even. And what I did instead, yep. And what I did instead (laughs) is I just immediately hopped in the shower, hopped back out and I got on the Demon Wind uh, last last drive-in tweet chain. And it was just so much fun. I do have to admit, you know, a film that's so personal to you and that you love so much and that you've kind of put out there for a while and people go, what the hell is this movie? Everyone jumped on the last drive-in bandwagon and the validation of have, seeing everyone love it as much as you do, it, it was a great experience. It was so much. It was so much fun. Okay, so we've we've done the necessary background work. We kind of know where we're coming from with Demon Wind and why it was important to Donato. Alicia, I'm pivoting to you. You finally watched it. Yes. Um, lay it on me. What do you think? It wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't well made. It was never not entertaining. I don't understand a goddamn thing about why anybody made any decision they did in that movie. And I I told Matt that the amazing thing about it is that there are so many amazing things about it. Two things that really stuck out to me. One, every single person delivered every single line in the worst possible way. Like either with the, uh, like an inappropriate emotion or just with no emotion at all. And two, the costuming in this movie felt like, every single character was in a different movie and they were pulled from completely different movies and just thrown into this movie because the costuming made zero sense and it was amazing. But I will say the creature effects and the uh, practical effects, that was pretty cool. And also um, I had to laugh at the the yellow blood to uh, skirt the MPAA's no, no blood uh, or no red blood thing, which was, which was entertaining, but yeah, creature effects, practical effects. Those were really cool. Every other decision in the movie, exceptionally baffling. But I I will say I was always entertained. But part of that was probably because I was sitting next to Matt, who was, like, like I said, talking along with it and, like, talking to them like they were his friends. Demon wins. (laughs) So, wait, okay. To Alicia's point of the fact that you never know what's going on. And I agree. You never do know what's going on. And that is the amazing thing of Demon Wind is how they strung this movie together of seeming scenes that don't tie into one another. They're just different horror movie tropes connected. And that's about it. But there are two things I want to say to that point that may have influenced. Uh, Number one, it is confirmed that the cast and crew shot for seven hours on the first day. (laughs) And when they got to, uh, when they got to set the next day, all the dailies were just destroyed. They were bad. So they were forced to do seven hours worth of work in two hours on the first day of shooting. So I don't know, maybe some of the continuity got lost in there. And there's the other reported fact that bearing, I think that should say barring, I'm reading the IMDb page, but yeah, barring freezing temperatures, snow drifts, and gusting winds, all the sets kept getting knocked over and they had to keep rebuilding things and they had to keep redoing things on set just to keep the production from falling apart. So again, I think they lost a lot of time in filming and I'm, I'm not saying the script was well done by any means, but I do wonder if that lost a little bit of what um, was intended for Demon Wind. I'm almost positive they had those seven hours back. <laughs> it would not be much different than what we got today. Give Charles Philip Moore, the writer-director, those seven hours and see what he would have done with them. Um, man, I don't... <laughs> Wait, okay, Nat, seriously, give me your take on the film, because I... Again, I saw your tweet immediately after. I know it was a joke tweet saying they never say demon wind. And number one, fuck you. They say wind is the first line of dialogue in the movie. And you don't know a damn thing but about subtlety then. But there's literally never wind. It's just fog. It's, they should have called it demon fog. 
because there's that, never honestly, any wind. That's there's correct. always wind sounds, sort of, in the background. Well, there fog is, is wind adjacent. There's never not a moment that is silent in this movie, whether it's the score or weird sound effects, but there's never actually wind. You mean how it opens on that weird church choir sequence? It just goes on and on and oh my when god. You're not. <laughs> Please stop. Okay. So to answer your question, so today, look, I'll I'll put it this way. Today we we um, recorded two episodes of Certified Forgotten, and the other one we talked about um, Sana with Ashley Blackwell, which is a movie that I really like, very much my jam. This is a movie that's very much Donato's jam. And really, I don't know what order these episodes are going to air in necessarily, but to listen to these two episodes is to really understand the gamut of film tastes that are represented by your your hosts. I'm, I like, no, I won't say like, I love how many people have a history with the horror genre that ties to practical effects. You know, I have, was not somebody that grew up reading Fangoria. They had them at my local supermarket, but the covers were too scary, so I never got them. But I know that like there's an entire generation of hardcore horror fans who, for them, their love of the genre is synonymous with the ability to do DIY special effects, to like get some syrup, go home, like play a little bit with like some um, silicon and some stuff, make some things in their basement, teach themselves how to make wounds, and do like all of these really cool low budget movies, all this like super eight stuff that had to do with gore and blood and pus and all of that, like. For a lot of fans, that's their love of the genre is sort of that do-it-yourself aesthetic that comes with it. And I look at Demon Wind and I see a film that a lot of people will like for that reason, and I'm here for it. What I'm not as here for, and I've said this a couple of times, but let's put it once on the record for the Demon Wind podcast, I have never really been somebody who gravitates towards sort of like the splatter insanity. Um, I don't want to say so bad it's good, but that kind of like the... You're, you're sometimes laughing at and sometimes laughing with type horror films, especially that we saw in the 80s. Th- those have just never really been my thing. I think the most I'll ever go with one of those is like your Evil Dead 2 or your Army of Darkness type stuff. And so, you know, I I just, I didn't, like, I, it's not a bad movie. I get why people like, well, it is a bad movie, but it's not like, it's not a movie that doesn't deserve the audience that it has because the audience that it has is coming specifically for what it offers. But it's just so not my thing, man. I just I watched it and I was like, oh, I'm glad I watched it because now I don't have to watch it again. It's not everyone's thing. I mean, that's first and foremost. Yes, if you're looking for an intellectual watch, if you're looking for something of substance, it's not Demon Wind. This is a movie I would have watched with my college friends, um, like packed into somebody's like dorm room, just hanging out with, you know, like popcorn and like whatever. And just had a really dumb, like during finals week or something, we're all like slap happy and just need a break. Like this would have been that perfect movie. Um, I have to laugh though, uh, because you were saying, you were talking about the practical effects and kind of the cheap DIY. It reminded me of when I was in college, I did take a film, a few film classes and our final project was we had to make our own film. So I partnered with my friend Angelo, and we made a film that was as bad as you can expect. It was a horror slash thriller stalker film where he was um, obsessed with my character. It was very, like, pre-Me Too, very, very problematic in many ways. Uh, but we <laughs> we had a scene where he was he trapped me in the kitchen and was throwing plates and dishes at me. We got a bunch of uh, plates and dishes, just cheap ones from, like, the dollar store, and just broke them all over the kitchen. And another scene where we murdered our friend, also named Matt, and we used um, corn syrup uh, colored with uh, food coloring for the fake blood. And we forgot that when it dries, like he was basically so caked in, had so much all over his shirt that he really liked that we had to cut him out of one of his favorite shirts and throw it away because it was it was just gore matted and with corn syrup and food coloring. But I will say it looked kind of awesome. It looked awesome on camera. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, and to your credit, Matt, yes. I never thought you were actually going to like this movie. Let's just be straight <laughs> up honest. We are completely different, and that's why we do this podcast. I am who you just described the opposite. You described the person that loves, or that doesn't, you know, isn't into this so bad it's good stuff. I'm all here for it. I'm all here for the practical effects. If you're able to wow me with your well i you know what because demon wind doesn't even wow me i shouldn't even this is hard to talk about because it is just so bad it's good i love demon wind because it shouldn't make sense it and it doesn't 
and it shouldn't exist. And somehow they have cobbled this movie together out of the most insane setups you can think of that continually makes me think that they just wrote scenes on the day of shooting because you do okay evil dead influencers are everywhere right Uh, we we can put that out there we can say like do you agree matt oh yeah like even even the way that the quote-unquote deadites talk like it's it's lifted from Raimi's films right yeah so you're doing this whole evil dead thing the whole time and you're in this world where in one scene, they're in this cabin that I alluded to before so terribly. And the furniture starts flying around. Like, a knife flies across the screen. His face is the best reaction to that scene, too. Right. It's so Raimi-esque and all these things. And then all of a sudden, in the film's third act, there's this priest that comes out of nowhere as, like, Satan. And we're in this world of, like, possessions and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, this giant beast comes out of nowhere. And, like, the third act, they're, like, fighting this giant monster and then the main character turns into this like alien with like a bald head for no reason. Yeah, he looked like a cross between. I look. I literally looked over at Matt at one point to ask him a question and looked back at the screen. Went, what the fuck just happened? What is wrong with yeah. him? Because I didn't see that change, and they never explained it. And all of a sudden, the main character, who was a normal human, looked like a cross between Nosferatu and a Klingon. And I was just like, I don't understand why he turned into a Star Trek alien. What just happened? Right, and and I only say this to cement the fact that nothing in this movie matters to such a grand (laughs) extent. And that's what I think transitions from so bad it's good to something that is just so entirely watchable because you're just baffled by what you're seeing on screen. Because I I get there's so bad it's good. I get people watch The Room because in the same way, you're like, how did someone shoot this and think it's a good movie? Demon Win to me is a step beyond so bad it's good because it is in this own world of filmmaking that just shouldn't exist i I, that is the best way i can put it reads like a 16 year old fan like 16 year olds like fanfic like a like a kid going oh this would be awesome we do this and we do this and we definitely have a a demon with boobs and then and then there's just all this blood and then they do this and it that's what it it feels like a 16 year old kid just took every single horror trope they could think of because they watched evil dead way too many times and then they wanted to do like their own evil dead fanfic but then they had a budget of like their parents getting like 20 bucks and was like, here, go make a movie. And that's what happened. Well, technically that budget was $500,000, but that that's, is confirmed. That's shocking to yeah. me. That's no, the, the budget was $500,000. I feel like most of that had to have gone to the effects because I don't understand. And maybe the sets. I mean, maybe that's what happens when you have to pay eight actor scale as opposed to like two. Can we talk about also how none of the, none of the humans in this, like nobody makes a good decision. Like they run, they see a a cross with a they get to the homestead the farmstead or whatever despite being warned away multiple times by the creepy old guy and the first thing they see is a cross with a skeleton hanging on it and nobody seems to care also in things that they should be upset about but nobody cares is the one character jesse mm-hmm. pink shirt girl that's what i called her matt was like uh that's jesse i was like isn't that oh. bonnie Bonnie, whatever. It's Bonnie. Okay, sorry. Sorry to offend Matt's friend. Bonnie uh, gets turned... Randomly, these like little demon girls show up out of nowhere. And one touches Bonnie and turns her into a baby doll. And then the baby doll disintegrates. And they're all just like, oh, well, huh, that just happened. And they keep like... I was like, that was your girlfriend. That was That was your friend. I don't... Nobody cared. Nobody yeah, so the thing that Donato always, whenever he talks about my my like what 120 character review that I put on Twitter of Demon Wind, he always gives me shit about the part that I complain that Demon Wind isn't used in the title. But the most important part of that about that tweet, Matt, is hashtag Justice for Bonnie. She does yep. not get any love. Like nope. like they literally are like, oh this you know oh my girlfriend's gone. Like and it's not even a moment of trauma. It's just sort of like they go in the building and they forgot that she was around. Yeah, she that, didn't that exist. Hurt that hurt me. Point. She just doesn't exist. Double insult to injury because then she comes back miraculously, but then she gets like fed on by the demon vampire thing. Then she dies and gets her life force sucked out of her in an even worse way. And I'm like, man, I don't even know Bonnie. She was just pink shirt girl to me, but that's like, they did her dirty. Right. And and just to point out the fact that nothing fucking matters in this movie, during Bonnie's death sequence, these three like pilgrim girls show up, obviously from the olden times when... 
this atrocity happened in the beginning. Was it the same demon girls that showed up in the start? Which death are we talking about? Baby doll Bonnie. Death? Baby doll Donnie. Okay, baby doll Bo- Donnie. Baby, baby doll Bonnie. Yeah. So these girls come out of nowhere, kill Bonnie, just tell everyone they're going to die and go away. And like, they never reappear again. This is, we're playing with the paranormal here, and this is never a recurring theme. So again, Demon Wind just defines its own rules scene by scene and then just throws the pages away and then just keeps walking. Speaking of people that you think are going to be very important and just never show up again, the little redheaded girl with the stick in the exactly. beginning doesn't show up. She like shows up in the beginning and she's watching the cars and pointing at them and like, ooh, she's a witch or she's cursing them or she's something. I don't know. And she doesn't show up again until the very scene as she watches them drive away. But this time she's a weird age demon mm-hmm. and you're just like oh oh well, that's nice they brought her back at least that kind of like and that's yeah. how bad this movie is is that she shows up in one scene you think she's gonna be important they literally never mention her again she shows up in the last scene for no reason again without context and my reaction was oh okay there's some continuity and i mean if you want to talk about bad character development and bad character anything i don't think there even was development exactly so alluding to the fact there's no character development there are two characters, Willie and Rena, who oh. are also <laughs> friends of Corey, who are not present in the first hour's worth of the film. Yeah, like they are first not two there. Of the movie. And after a few mm-hmm. of the existing friends die off, as Alicia said before, Demon Wind just needs bodies to kill. So these two friends, Willie and Rena, just drive up to the cabin. They know exactly where to go. No, like it's just amazing to me that they just show up at this cabin. They're like, "Hey guys, we're here," and they just walk into a massacre scenario. They live for, what, five minutes? Uh, Raina makes it for, like, five minutes because she gets eaten by that s- Satan skull thing. The cattle skull hanging on a bar. And then the that other guy... Right. I didn't mind that The death. boyfriend... Willie. Did he make it out of the... No. He, oh, wait, no, that's They right, leave Willie in the barn like, and he like, gets... What de- happened to him? And then it's like, oh, he's decapitated. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you have a movie that will just introduce characters with no development about 45 to an hour in, kill them in 10 minutes, and just keep moving. It just doesn't care, and it's so... It's almost cavalier how much it doesn't care about what it's doing. Yeah, let me jump on that because I think that it is an interesting point. You know, if you watch enough of these 80s and 90s slashers, the thing that the genre always gets criticized for, monster movies or whatever, like generally um, horror movies from the 80s and 90s that star teenagers, um, one of the things that, you know, the genre always gets shit on a little bit is like the archetypes to the point where we've seen them played over and over again in meta films like Cabin in the Woods and Scream is like, oh, you know, there's the Jacques, there's the the supportive girlfriend, there's like the sensitive lead, like all of these characters that are buckets and these archetypes that are so well-defined that you don't really, they don't ever step outside of them. And I think it is interesting because Demon Wind clearly wants to set up its group of characters initially to fall into those buckets. It has those archetypes in mind that like one character is sort of like the business prep friend, another is the douchebag jock. Like everybody in that initial group is there to sort of fit one of those roles. And then the movie seemingly forgets why you have archetypes in horror films to begin with and just sort of lets everybody go in every different direction. It's weird that like the best you can say about their character development is they were almost cliched until they weren't anymore. I want to say that Dell very much keeps his cliche. <laughs> Dell is the walking me to yeah, nightmare. Yeah, yeah. In the way that he, okay. We meet Dell as he walks into a diner and he sees Corey and Corey's girlfriend at the time and Dell immediately grabs the girlfriend and kisses her on the lips in front of everyone. Like deep kiss. Deep not kiss. Just a peck, as like... a joke. And then he looks at Corey, he's like, my man. And Corey doesn't give a in shit. In front of his own girlfriend. Right, in front of his own girlfriend, too. Yes. Yeah. That's and why I keep her okay. around. I was just going to say. That line twice. No, more in than three that. minutes. No, he well, said it twice in the same scene. Right, twice in the same scene. And he keeps saying, that's why I keep her around. Like, just the most possessive. Oh my God. It's, I, but he never breaks character. And the other, obviously, thing we can talk about character development is we meet... Hold on. We need to get his name here. He is the kar- karate magician. Oh, my know. God. I was just saying, can we, can we bring up our f- Chuck? Yes, Chuck. Can we so bring up my favorite part? Chuck, Chuck and Stacy, two, two <laughs> men. Fans and the doves. Two men who appear... They it, Their introduction is they're driving a convertible. And Chuck is sitting on, you know, where the roof would come down. So you can see him sitting on the convertible in view of everyone, and he's dressed like a magician. And Stacy's driving, and he has a megaphone, and he's introducing Chuck as they come down. Dressed like a wizard. Dressed like a wizard. Playing 
Ride of the Valkyries from Wagner. That is also happening. And Chuck's first introduction is he jumps down. Dell throws a beer can at him. Because Chuck used to date Dell's girlfriend, Terry? Important context. So Dell yes. is not a fan of Chuck. And what Chuck does is he roundhouse kicks a beer can in the air at least six or seven times. And he like hacky sacks it, but like high kicking hacky sacks. And the edit's beautiful because it's literally just goes back to Chuck doing the roundhouse, the can flipping in midair. It does that five times. And then the last one, Chuck roundhouse kicks it and it just hits Dell in the head. Oh, and it's And he throws a dove. And then he pulls a dove out of nowhere. And wait, no. First there's a rabbit. First there's a rabbit by a Stacey. First he, then like... Dell goes to fight him because obviously this dick just jumped down and kicked a beer can in his face. Then Stacy, his wizard friend or whatever, is like, but wait, how can you? And like throws a smoke bomb, literally throws a smoke bomb and then goes, but wait, don't hurt the rabbit. And then there's a rabbit on the ground because again, they're magicians. And then but to get out of the scene, you can finish it. I was going to say, we say all this again because then it's never acknowledged again that they are magicians. But we do see a dove once more. We oh, see yeah, a dub, but, then, but that has nothing to do with Chuck and Stacy. So no. you've introduced Chuck and Stacy as the karate magicians of the group, the badasses, of course. And then they drive away towards the house and are seen throwing their magician costumes. And for the rest of the film, it's never it, it's never a thing. They just never address the fact that they're magicians. It's just like, why do you go to the extreme lengths to show this ridiculous character introduction and not have that be a running theme? Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, the dove that he just randomly threw in the air to distract Dell to get away, that dove was like the only thing in this movie that made it out alive. Yeah. Is that is that true? Yeah. About that. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Dell, I, I, love I need you to dig it. I need you to find the script. Like I'm you you're going to spend enough time talking about it that somebody from the production will eventually be like, Oh, I was in Demon Wind. I need you to find the script and do a full on review of the script versus the movie. Oh my god, I would love to do that. But also, also go ahead. I was going to say, the demons also are like zombies because they give you zombie, or they give you demon rabies because Jack gets, or uh, low rent uh, Carrie Always, they give him, they, <laughs> it bites him when he's reaching through the window because he sees Bonnie, or he thinks he sees Bonnie, his girlfriend, that he previously did not give a single solitary fuck about when she turned into a baby doll suddenly sees her like spirit or something through the window calling the boarded up windows of the cabin calling for him and then he gets bit on the hand by a demon and then in the next scene apparently it's very quick moving demons rabies because like in the very next scene he's like full-on demon like the gross oatmeal yogurt yeah they all just spit up this weird oatmeal tapioca pudding mixture that's how you know you're a demon you just start spitting this dessert also the weeping pustules and right the boils and things and the obligatory 80s demon voice demon that's not that's fine obligatory 80s demon voice so i know that neither of you liked the new child's play but i did i was i was thinking about this Mm -hmm. movie when i was watching it in that movie i'm like how do you the same question came into my mind. Like, how do you explain this? Like, the very end of Child's Play, they sort of show the kids getting along after all this has happened. I was like, no, 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 no. You're in therapy for life. You're probably in a yep. juvenile center. Yep. So, like, how do the characters explain the fact? And, like, one friend, okay. You went into the woods. Your friend died, whatever. But, like you said, there's eight people. How do you explain the deaths of all of these characters when you get back? Like, what do you even do? Well, that's if they even remember the deaths. Like, no one remembered Bonnie dying. So, I mean, do they even remember what happened? Is that's, Well, then there's just, that weird dream sequence where it was like, you thought it was over, and he wakes up, and then, no, he's like in a dream within a dream. But then it was like a weird dream within a dream because his girlfriend started to turn into a demon, and then he woke up, and then everything was fine and back the way it normally was. Then they all turned into demons again, and then he woke up again or something, and then he looked at her, and she was fine because she stabbed the satan guy right so just to touch on the religious aspects that matt was getting mad about me not answering before because i I was very mad i know there's a religion but it just doesn't matter again this is the care to storytelling not existing uh, Corey finds these scriptures we'll call them or you know it's basically old journal diaries yeah. That say his grandma is like, okay. Who's a witch. Right. Grandma was a witch, blah, blah, blah. I left these daggers. They two, also don't explain that. Two of seven daggers. So they make notice that there are two of seven daggers left to protect against the demon wind's influence and these evilness. And every time, like, you kill, you can kill the demons with a dagger and they stay dead forever. 
But they just keep using these daggers and, like, leaving them random places. Like, they'll stab a demon with it and just leave it in the demon and run away. And it's like, you probably need that to kill the rest of the demons. And then again, they just don't address it and the daggers are gone and... It also does that weird, like, werewolf thing where you stab a person that's been turned into a demon with the dagger and then they revert to their human form and then they just... Then there's... Then in an amazing, uh, like, 80s, like, early 90s... um, special effects they like disappear in a flash of light which we finally learn in an offhanded comment is their soul except for jack who, who turns reverts, into a, who like, like benjamin buttons himself backward and then turns into a bird a dove or a pigeon or something again no rules there's no rules to this movie and then i was like wait was a flash of light his soul was the dove his soul i don't understand like what you don't understand demon wind you just experience it i will say wait. fun electrical uh effects are kind of fun though I, so I was under the impression that the daggers were one-time use because I've played enough video games to be like, oh, fuck, you should have saved that. Like a one-time use item. And I thought that as soon as they stabbed one, the dagger disintegrated. But there were seven dad Again, also the reason, like what happened to the seven, why there were seven, we don't know. What happened but to the other five? Two. Yeah. Like but they only ever two. had two. But like, there are like 50 demons. There are, one yeah, what's of which that going to do Diamond anyway? <laughs> one of which is Lou Diamond Phillips, actually. Right, fun fact. Lou Diamond Phillips, what, was dating one of the assistant directors? No, he was dating the second, second assistant director. And they liked him so much. They're like, hey, do you want to be a zombie on set? And he just got in makeup. And one of the uh, demon zombies that you see is actually Lou Diamond Phillips. It's one of the shots where they're, they're in the cabin boarded up, kind of making their final stand. And he looks through the, like, it's him and another zombie kind of looking through the boards. And you can you can tell it's him. Like he's only in there for like three seconds, but you can tell it's him. Yeah, it's so. Hey, they got A list actors for this movie. They didn't get A list actors. They got a guy that happened to be on set because he was banging the second assistant assistant director, and they were like, "Hey, you want to go into makeup for a couple hours?" And he went, "Sure, okay." That's not getting an A list talent. It's as close Listen, as it gets I, for me. I like bats as much as the next man, but would you really describe Lou Diamond Phillip as an A list actor? <laughs> I like bats I as much as the next. I will say at that time, yes. Oh, back that's in the fair. 80s, back in the 80s and early 90s. But no, this was 90. Okay, can we also yeah, say 90, that? but like between Young Guns, uh, True. Uh, La Bamba, like yeah, at one point Lou Diamond Phillips was legit, like if not A-list, then like high B-list. Like he was known. And this was 1990, yes. just to confirm so he, for this everyone. This would have been in time, like he would have been a really well-known actor then. Well, I, I more say it's a 1990 movie because it looks like one from literally 1980. The effects are yeah. so cheap and it's like photorealism the, effects that... And the costuming? Yep, the costuming. But yes, I also do want to point out, we talked about the makeup before, and we all said that, you know, the practical effects are pretty gruesome, and they do some fun stuff where they play with the yellow blood and whatnot. The effects artists did go on to actually have a pretty decent career. Uh, You know, I say the Nutty Professor, but, like, it actually is recognized for its practical effects. So you have Nutty Professor, Men in Black, Cabin in the Woods, Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's version. So these people did have, I think they're the ones that actually benefited the most from Demon Wind. I mean, somebody must have, right? Did, did, did anyone? Did not, I, think, I, I did. I think, actually, on I, Earth, I think, I think Matthew Donato is the person that has benefited most from Demon Wind. I wouldn't argue that. I mean, I've built a brand around it, which I don't know why people actually listen to me. I don't understand. So one thing, I kind of have to double back a little bit and talk a bit more about um, the so bad it's good thing. Like, I, I found myself while I was watching it thinking a little bit about how my relationship to something like MST3K has changed okay. because for, for a long time, like mystery science 33,000 was when I was, when I was young, like when I, you know, from like eight years old to like 16 years old or something like that was that I love that. That was what introduced me to sort of these B level movies. And you know, I, I would laugh so hard. I would like have to lay down, which has not really ever happened before or since it was just something that I loved so much. And I, I think, if I learned something from Demon Wind, and I want to give them credit for, you know, growing me as a human being in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> like it was just a thing that, like, I don't, I don't know if I, if that, if laughing at at movies like this is really something that I enjoy as much as I used to. Like, I don't seek out these movies and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, it's funny and let's make fun of them. I don't know. Like, I've, I think I've gotten to a point um, in my career and in my relationship with film where, like, I would rather people genuinely like talk about like ex- talk about the things that they love so like your type of conversation matt where you're talking about this movie and how much you like it like i'm here for it but you know if somebody was like oh it's so stupid you should really enjoy it like those kind of movies i feel kind of i don't know like i don't i don't really have that vibe in me anymore because there's just so much out there 
what you know i would rather somebody stick to their guns for one weird film like you build a brand around weird stuff like i have with black coat's daughter um and then like you know make that stick i don't think like the 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 joe bob briggs thing like i don't think i i don't think i get that i don't think that connects with me not to say that he doesn't treat those films respectfully but kind of like that pile on mindset that some fans have those types of movies i don't think do it for me anymore i Sorry, go ahead. I'll say, I get what you're saying. I, I was telling Matt this, I think like uh, maybe a week or so ago, I said one of the reasons why I have grown away from horror a little bit is that I'm so character driven. Um, and, and my brain tends to think in like epic stories, uh, long form stories. I, I read, you know, like The Stand and, and just long, long books when I was younger. Uh, so I have a hard time like revisiting horror movies outside of just kind of like it's on in the background or like it's dumb fun with friends every so often because there's not enough substance in a lot of them um, for me to keep revisiting. There's nothing there. Like I don't really care about the characters generally because they're not generally well-developed. So what I loved when I was a lot younger, I've grown away from now and I still watch them, but I don't find as much in them as I did when I was younger. I will say that, I think with age comes the idea that we have less time on our hands. Uh, to what Alicia was saying before, Demon Wind feels like a movie she would watch in college with her friends and whatnot. And I feel like at that time, we had all the free time in the world. I mean, you know, to simply put it, you know, we're in college or we're in high school and we have all this weekend time. And we have all this, what do we do after class? And we're just hanging out and stuff like that. Versus now, to find the time even to watch one movie a day before I go to bed is just near impossible. So I do talk to a lot of critics as they get later on in their ages. And <laughs> very, we very that. careful I think how you just called us that. old. Donato. I think you just called I'm us just old. Saying. Hey, I'm just saying. I talk to as, people. If they're who are almost like, dead like you and Alicia, our then our advanced yeah. daughtering ages with our dementia that's slowly setting in. I'm trying to make a point here. You guys are just <laughs> undercutting me. Should I just yell demon wind again? Is that how I is that no, all sorry, you think sorry, of me? Sorry, continue. Continue. Anyway, I'm just saying we have less time to spend on the things that don't matter versus what you guys were saying. There are so many good movies out there and there are so many movies with artistic value and things that we can connect with and that we actually love on a level of appreciation and everything else besides so bad it's good. So I feel like more people have time for that these days. And younger, yes. We all did it when we were younger. We watched things because it was hilarious. As we get older, we're just like, yeah, I don't have as much time. So if I'm picking between Demon Wind and the next Oscar winner, it's like, I think I'm going to give the Oscar winner a play nine times out of ten. But I'm different. Obviously, I'm going to pick Demon Wind <laughs> I was every like, time. will you, though? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking for everyone. I'm yeah. not talking for me. I am fucking insane. But why will... I feel like maybe maybe your entire career is just an attempt to recapture your youth. Mm. just got real deep. <laughs> just got really deep. But if you think about it this way, putting a positive spin on this, a lot of these movies... I mean, if you look at uh, like early Del Toro, early Raimi, or James Gunn, like all of this... So many profound and celebrated directors and filmmakers and writers now got their start in really bad, low-budget... Peter Jackson. Campy, Peter Jackson, campy horror. And you're right, people aren't really watching those anymore. So if you think about it, you're like a future historian. You're an archivist of detailing the early years of filmmakers who we look at it and laugh now but maybe eventually later on they'll go on to make oscar-winning films or you know i mean i'm yeah. still waiting for charles philip moore's Lord i mean he's Rings. definitely not this the, that no? ship has sailed okay but <laughs> but no and i agree and again those are movies that these guys are making as younger filmmakers mm -hmm. i i do think there is something that comes with age and something that comes with obviously it goes out the window for like every single filmmaker you know you carpenter you're craven and stuff like that the people who stay in horror because they love it but i do generally think some people grow out of it i think that's the case with a lot of moviegoers these days you're into the more gross stuff and you're into the more ridiculous when you're younger and you quote unquote mature i, I think that's i, I will I'm, i will follow up on, on that too because i like the point that alicia was making like there are a lot of horror films um think of like the video nasties and stuff that just personally are not things that necessarily work for me, but I love it. I absolutely love it when somebody in an academic or even in a popular context, like sits down and 
builds them into, like contextualizes them as part of history. So like I am probably, I know, I'm not going to say probably, unless I am forced to by Matt Donato in person, I will never watch Demon Win again. But if oh, no, somebody wanted to write a piece about the bridge between um, the VHS straight to video and the more like independent horror scenes of the 80s to 90s, and like wants to build that thesis sort of around Demon Wind, like I think that would be really interesting. Like I think it would be really fascinating to talk about where horror existed, b- sort of in this pseudo distributed space of late '80s and early '90s. And so that, to me, like the archivist, the historian in me, really likes the idea of Demon Wind. It's just not something that I'm, you know, I want to sit down and watch again. Also, on a small note, we're talking about history. I did look up uh, Lou Diamond Phillips's filmography, and nine, the same year was when Young Guns 2 came out, and then 88 was when La Bamba and the first Young Guns came out, or maybe La Bamba was 89. So, like, this would have been, yes, Matt Donato, let it be known for the record, henceforth, that he is correct in saying that at this time, Lou Diamond Phillips would have been an A-lister. Which is almost more, movie. wait, here's the funniest part of that. If you have a movie that no one knows about with all these actors you don't know about, why do you take the one A-list actor and cover him completely in makeup? Like, why don't you try to, like, sell him into a cameo role where you can at least say, like, and starring, like, or and featuring Lou Diamond They Phillips. shot this in seven hours because li- no, no, I, I'm shooting. Well, I, I mean, they didn't shoot it much more than that, I don't think. Let's be honest. This wasn't, like, a weeks-long shoot. They were, like... It was 24 days. This was a 24-day shoot. Was it? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yes. This that's, was a 24-day shoot, which, again, depressing. plagued by weather and plagued by a that's first... That's depressing. Be- Give Char- Charles Philip more I'm some just going to say, I'm pretty sure he just showed up, and then his girlfriend was like, hey, we don't have the money to pay you because, well, I mean, you've seen the production, but do you want to put some makeup on? And Hey, fun fact. All the fog, it was real. Oh, you mean because they should have just named it Demon Fog? Because it. Oh, that was the thing that annoyed me in this. And I pointed this out to, to Matt. We were watching it. There's never a moment. The sound effects are so weird because there's never not that weird synthesizer, like sound in the background constantly. There's never a moment of silence. But then at pivotal moments, when something happens, they just don't include a sound effect. So like when the yeah. skeleton falls off the uh, there's like the skeleton falls off the cross at one point, no sound effect. There's straight up entire scenes where there's no ADR. They're trying yeah, to hold the nothing. door closed at one point with demons bashing against the door. So you have demons bashing against the door, and then Corey and his girlfriend like butting into it and trying to keep it closed. And there are no sound effects. Like yeah. I think they just gave up on putting sound but into the movie. They just put, but the synthesizer, that weird like synthesizer, or the score is running underneath the entire thing. There is never a single moment of this movie that's just silent or that has, like Matt said, like no score, but but proper ADR. It was the weirdest. <laughs> it was like the sound. The it was all over the place. It was all over the place. I, I think okay. So here's what's happening. We're just going down this deep, dark demon wind rabbit hole which you can do for hours. And we're already at 58 minutes, so here's what I'm going to say. I think at this point, we all have to say our one or two favorite demon win moments, and then if it should be forgotten or resurrected from the grave. Is that fair? That's yes. fair. Mr. Monogle, I want you to go first. Okay. Um, favorite demon win moments, even though I'm a firm believer in hashtag justice for Bonnie, I do think that her turning into the child doll was probably the most visually appealing Um, and most unsettling moment in the entire film. So I will give him that. Um, And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think I really appreciated the introduction of the magician and his sidekick. It was just Mm -hmm. such an out of left field moment um, in a movie that was already veering towards left field that it kind of worked for me. So those are the two scenes that pop up the most for me. As for whether or not this movie, which it was up until recently certified forgotten, um, deserves to remain that way, I'm going to stick by what I said a second ago. Like I think that there is a context in which this is an important part of late 80s, early 90s horror history. And I think that in that regard, um, I hope it sticks around so people can dive a little bit more into the type of horror that was being produced, especially the type of horror that was being produced outside of Hollywood. Does the movie itself deserve to be remembered? Meh. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll go next. I, too, uh, have to celebrate the entrance of Chuck and his his wizard sidekick, Stacy, because the editing 
the choices made, the the weirdness of it, just like truly just chef's kiss because it it's it was a magnificent entrance that was magnificent for all the wrong reasons and then they just never explained it again um i probably have to say to the creature effects for the great demon or the grand mm. demon or whatever those are pretty gnarly like though he was gross looking also he clearly does not skip leg day uh because he was thick beefy goat he, he was, legs yeah um so some of the yeah i have to say like just the like there was that one scene with the the bare-breasted demon that or hot demon or however she's credited uh it's literally demon hottie i I think it's like demon hottie where it shows her like mangled her feet are all like mangled and she's levitating and you see her mangled feet yeah uh so yeah the practical effects and stuff are a a lot of fun uh it's like over the top probably orange juice they use for the blood i'm not sure or like thin down paint or something um as whether or not it should be forgotten i i can't help but think that uh, kind of what i mentioned before that every single filmmaker that loves movies starts out with a passion project whether it's the student film or whatever that is truly bad but you can tell they love movies and they love the genre they're they're making it and they and you can tell that the director loved horror movies you can tell that he watched um evil dead multiple times probably you know as a teenager however old he was and he made this so as a testament to just kind of as kind of a a bottle like a time capsule of showing that like this is a lot of first-time movies from directors that you now love looked an awful lot like this maybe not this bad but they weren't great. So I will say that it deserves on its own merits, just as a tribute to the scrappy team that just loved horror movies and wanted to make a kick-ass evil dead ripoff, I would say it deserves to be watched also because of Chuck the Magician. Fair. I don't even know why I'm answering this because obviously what I love about the movie is just everything. It exists in its own world. I don't know how it exists. Specific call-outs, the barn scene where Raina gets killed by oh, yeah. the cattle skull. There's a great mm. time. We'll that say have, that should have been my second. No, that's yeah. I was gonna say one. quote unquote great effect, but the cattle skulls hang on the wall. It unhinges. A giant tongue comes out of nowhere, wraps around her neck, drags her in, and then the cattle skull just crushes her head. So much fun in that effect. Chuck and Stacy fighting the demon zombies and the bear titty demon. Oh wait, wait, presto. Yeah, he never even yep. got touched, but he was dead. Stacy is just dead, and he says presto as he dies. Oh, it's so magnificent. <laughs> Every little detail is so odd and so obscure and it doesn't matter. And yet it makes this movie that should be celebrated for years and years to come. So obviously it should not be forgotten. It should be put on a pedestal with the greatest cinema has to offer. That's why we keep him around. I will say this. If I had seen this as part of like a four movie marathon and I'd been drinking all day, I might have very different feelings about it. Well, if you drink all day, then it's always a four movie marathon. (sighs) Alicia, if people want to learn more, I am just segueing out of this. If people want to learn more about you and follow your writing, where do they seek you out online? They can find me at adamtickets.com slash movie dash news. Uh, or they can find me yelling on Twitter about many, many things, uh, usually mocking Donato. I do a lot of that at Alicia Grouso. Donato, just do it. I, I do a thing now, Matt. Should I just prolong this and just make the suffering more inevitable? <laughs> just, just, just let me leave. Just let me die, man. You can find me, Matt Donato, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Donato Bomb. You can also find my writing on such sites as Adam Insider and Dread Central and Blade Disgusting slash Film, blah, 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 down the line. Just follow me on social media. I'll pimp my stuff out, and you can read it there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Labsplice, L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E. That's probably the best way to go. Um, I write for a variety of different places like everyone else I know, and you'll see them all there. You can also yell at me if you want for my intellectual inconsistency and loving radioactive dreams but hating demon wind. I uh, contain multitudes. I am legion. Please get off my back. Matt, Alicia, anything else you want to throw out there before we, before we call this a day and never do it again? Demon wind? I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm finished. I don't have anything else to add that I know this is Matt screaming into the mic. I know this said we recorded for an hour, but I, it felt like a year. I just like, 
It's the longest podcast episode of my life. You aged. <laughs> would you say you aged <sighs> like Bonnie when she came back from the dead the third time and the demon king drained her like a vampire, but then also sucked her life force out of her? I would say, as my final note, hashtag justice for justice Bonnie. Justice for Bonnie. Mm-hmm.